Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. Today, we'll be previewing the Pacific Division. Joining me, as always, are Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, guys? It's going well, Bri. How about you, you sicko? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm getting over a cold, so I apologize in advance if I sound a little froggy. Uh, I'm also dealing with the news that Ben Simmons has a foot fracture. Uh, it, I'm actually a little less upset than the rest of Sixers Twitter right now. When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at roboglobal.com HTEC. Now, uh, just because I think it's less of a big deal than people are making it out to be. But we'll touch on that in a couple weeks once we have more info. Today we're going to start with, who else? The Golden State Warriors, uh, who, if you didn't know, blew a 3-1 lead in the finals. Uh, <laughs> after doing that, however, they stuck a giant middle finger up to the rest of the association by signing Kevin Durant. They also brought in Zaza Pachulia, David West, and then drafted a couple of sneaky, fun guys, Damian Jones and Pat McCaw. So, I mean, let's start with the obvious question. Mort, how, how do you guard this team? Well, you, you, you try your best, but in the end, you can't. Like, he, we spoke about this at some point. I don't think we ever recorded it, but we did talk about how many players here can shoot off the, off the curl, like off the ball. And when you have so many guys who, who can get a shot up without having to create for five or ten seconds, you have the potential to become immensely efficient considering the personnel that is already going to be implemented straight away. Like Steph is one of the most efficient players of all time. KD the same. Clay is well on his way to becoming one of the most efficient two guards in league history. 
And then you have Draymond Green, who is slowly but surely becoming a very efficient scorer in his own right. Uh, I mean, I I don't have an answer there, Brad. I, it's, <laughs> it's impossible. Like last year, you could argue that if you forced the ball over to Harrison Barnes and asked him to do something with it, mm-hmm. that was probably the best bet you had as a defense. But now that role is is Kevin Durant's, and he can go into the post. Right. He can go into the post. He can isolate. He can shoot off the curl. He can. He won't like miss what, what I, Harrison Barnes missed like five wide open th- corner threes uh, during two st- two game stretch in the finals. Yeah. You won't see KD do that. I I don't think you can guard this team. But what's more interesting is, can you even stop them on defense as well? I mean, you can't. Like KD can switch. Mm-hmm. Draymond can switch. Curry is a nuisance. Clay is one of the better two guards, and Sasa Pachulia, while not known as some sort of defensive anchor, is still big, uh, mobile, agile. Can still play some some pretty solid defense. And off the pine, you have Sean Livingston, who is a six seven freakish point guard who can just, who you know, he's got he's got arms for days. Yep. How how do you even stop them defensively? How 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 do you get through that defensive line? How do you score on them? Sarah, do you have yeah. any ideas? <laughs> I, I think we all have to hope against hope that they just really miss those bogus screens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they still have Draymond, and Zaza is probably going to be able to step really easily into that bruiser role. So he may not be as skilled, though, at the whole, like, I'm on skates, somebody's running into me, and that's why I'm mm-hmm. moving on this moving screen thing. Cause, right. But Bogut was a mm-hmm. master. He was a real artist. But yeah, I think that's an underrated thing that they're going to miss. I really do. It is, but uh, will it be enough? Probably not <laughs> to <laughs> right. make a big difference. But um, yeah, I was going to say maybe you have to hope that you can score with them, but then Morton just squashed all of those dreams. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, NBA fans. I, I know why I have picked for, for the finals yeah. or for the championship, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so it sounds like barring injuries the only thing that could really trip up the warriors is chemistry because obviously replacing barnes who is a low usage player with durant who's one of the higher usage forwards in the league someone needs to sacrifice despite what clay thompson continues to say and what Mm -hmm. steph curry continues to say so sarah who do you think winds up sacrificing the most with kd's arrival uh clay steph or draymond i think that's a really interesting point that you bring up and a really underrated thing is chemistry i think everyone thinks they're going to fit seamlessly and for the most part i think they will like we already got a taste of it in the olympics Mm -hmm. without steph of course um but i do think steph's job gets harder Mm -hmm. even though it should be easier uh and and kd will alleviate some of the pressures on him but people are still going to expect the back-to-back mvp to score at a certain rate and do Mm -hmm. certain things but at the same time he's going to feel like he needs to get Durant involved and everybody else involved because that's your job as the point guard. So it gets tricky for him. Um, they're lucky that they're in a system that's already kind of about sharing the ball and equal opportunity. So that's going to help. Um, but I think his job gets harder. But as you alluded to, Clay keeps being the one to to <laughs> deny it. But I think it is going to be tough for him. Um because, I mean, this is just my opinion, and other people might think it's crazy, and that's okay, but I do think he can have a tendency to kind of uh, be less involved in the game and kind of, you know, back out of it anyway. 
And so it's going to be an interesting year for him, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Mort, what about you? Who do you think sacrifices the most here? I, I think everyone, but in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling, or I could call it a sneaky suspicion, that they are going to spurs it up. Ooh. I I believe that every each and every one of them has gotten over their ego stage. Mm-hmm. I think they are all committed to winning and sacrificing. And if that means KD is going out and scoring eighteen here, twenty two here, like an average is a flat twenty, that's it, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And the same goes for Steph. The same goes for Clay. And you know Draymond isn't a big scorer. Like he can score, but he's not a guy who's looking to get twenty. He he can settle in for seven a game if 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 that's what the defense gives him. He's he's perfectly satisfied just playing defense, rebounding, and pushing the ball. I have a feeling that they are setting their ego away at the door. I think Steve Kerr has a big part in that. Yeah, yeah. And I believe they are going to completely Spurs slash Bulls of ninety six it up, <laughs> like completely putting every ounce of ego away. Yeah, uh, mean, meaning uh, probably three players who average around 22 or 23 points. I could definitely see that. And I, I think you bring up a good point in that, I mean, all of these guys now have gone through heartbreak in the playoffs and particularly mm-hmm. in the finals. I mean, the Warriors, as we mentioned, had last year's uh, you know meltdown. Uh, <laughs> Here it came again. Yeah, <laughs> three one. Uh, they gonna, lost three one. Don't forget it. We're gonna mention it a lot, guys. Sorry, you you have Kevin Durant on a seventy three win team. Deal with it. Um, but you know, KD also like it, they should have put the Warriors out in the playoffs mm. last year, yeah. and then they melted down, and Clay went thermonuclear. In game six, so and then KD also in the, the 2012 finals, you know they win game one and looks like LeBron's on the ropes, and then the Heat just annihilate them. So I think they are at the point now where all of those guys are on long term contracts. They all got their money. They're all known as stars. Like the only thing left is to win. So it would not surprise me at all. More to your point, you know, to mm-hmm. see everyone's averages go down uh, proportionally rather than. You know, Clay going from like 20 points to 10 a game. Just everyone shaving a couple points off their average. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, I, that's really the question, isn't it? I mean, if they are there where they all can set their ego aside and they don't care who's who's the leading scorer on any, any given night, then it's over for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might have some chemistry issues at the very beginning, just figuring it out. But yeah, that's that's really the only question. And we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw it with the Heat in 2010, you know, it they, it took them a little bit of time. I mean, frankly, a year and a half before they really hit their stride, but I think they were, what, nine and eight in the first portion of that year, and everyone's kind of circling like buzzards, like, when's Spo getting fired? What's going on here? And then, you know, finally they put it together and looked like the next dynasty until LeBron left, but... <laughs> and until you're a Spurs so... fiend, Sarah. <laughs> right. I'm so glad you brought up the heat there because i've seen so many comparisons comparisons to the heat after the kd signing obviously Mm -hmm. but but it's such a faulty comparison because neither lebron nor wade were were these types of long-range shooters like lebron actually had one season in which he shot over 40 percent and was just on you know otherworldly but take that away 
and they were not strong shooters. They were mm. strong scorers, but they had they all they even had the same places of attack, like just a little smidge off the high post. That's where they went to work, and they loved the right side. And uh, here, it's it's so much more well rounded. Yeah, you have these guys who can stretch the floor like automatically. You. KD, you can have him for, you know, if they play like a weak team and he doesn't need to assert himself on the dribble a lot, you can have him in the corner and he'll drop seven trays on you. Like, it wouldn't matter. Right. So I I think there is a foundation here um, for them to integrate Durant a lot easier than it was to, like, get Wade, LeBron, and Bosch to to mesh. Because, you know, Bosch didn't even develop that three-point shot until like a couple of years in anyway. Right. And he's he he also got tremendously better at, you know, playing defense. That that first year he was he was kinda learning the defensive schemes a little bit. I, I just don't I don't see that many hiccups here. I don't see that many challenges. Maybe I'm I'm just, you know, sipping the Kool-Aid a whole a whole <laughs> lot. But I, I really have a tough time seeing how something may a major problem could suddenly be uh you know, be relevant. I don't see it. I think you brought up the word foundation, and I think that's the key. What we have to remember is the Heat were bringing in both LeBron and Bosch, and basically were an entirely different team than they were the year before. You know, the Heat were mm. terrible that year before, and then they bring in these two superstars, but that's a completely, like, you're overhauling the entire system, basically. Here... And Mike Miller. Mike yeah, Miller. Yeah. Like the culture setter as well. Right. But here, it's just, I mean, the, the Warriors lost a lot of important bench pieces, which we'll talk about shortly, but mm. they still have Steph, Clay, Draymond, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Like, they still have a lot of the team that went 73-9 and and made the finals two straight years and won the championship two years ago. So they, they're much more fortified coming in than that 2010 Heat team was. So, I mean, to that point, and we said it earlier, I think the only thing that's really going to trip this team up is egos, but it sounds like none of us are convinced that that's going to be a huge issue. Um, I, You know, I just mentioned they lost a number of important contributors. Aside from Harrison Barnes and Bogut, they also lost Leandro Barbosa, Maurice Spates, Festus Azili. So which under-the-radar player do you guys think has the biggest impact on this team? Sarah, let's start with you. Um, I think it has to be some of the young bigs because mm-hmm. that is where they had the most turnover um honestly i always kind of liked mcadoo i think he's oh. got some some good upside so if he can get on the floor which i think he will um i think he could have a big impact for them i like that how about you morton yeah how can i top that when he even saw finals finals minutes he did that's true yeah that was but but I I mean and Damian Jones I believe he's he's injured right now he's not gonna play like immediately right, right? yeah no yeah but I I read a piece I, I forget who one of the local writers that that they were really you know trying to develop him and, and hope to to bring him along a little bit slowly of course because he was injured but they were counting on him to like come playoff time mm. hopefully like they they want to integrate him during the course of the season so he can play. You know, some you know potential potentially heavy minute load in the playoffs mm-hmm. if it's deemed necessary. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna go with Jones. I think he's pretty intriguing. I like it. Yeah. All right. I'm going complete out of left field pick. <laughs> this guy might not even make it out of training camp. But Javale McGee, if he ke- <laughs> if he gets his head on straight, like he doesn't need to do all that much. 
And so he just needs yeah. to know his role, and his role is just to rebound and block shots, basically be Azili from last year. But, like, the dude is very talented. He's basically just, like, the big man version of Nick Young. So if he <laughs> actually – I mean, look at J.R. Smith, too. Like, he was a knucklehead for so long, and he went to the Cavs and got his head on straight, and now he's, you know, a key contributor for a championship team. So I don't know that McGee makes it out of training camp, but given their need for bigs, especially with Jones banged up to start the year, I'm taking him. I think he could actually be a sneaky good uh, piece on this roster. So before we moved on, let's go to the big question. They won 73 last year. Vegas set their over-under at 66.5 this year. If you had to bet, which side would you take, Sarah? <laughs> oh, man. I, I just feel like they're going to be right around where the Spurs were last year, where they were two years ago, like mm-hmm. right around 67. Um, but if I had to bet, I guess I would take the under. I just don't think they're going to be as all out for that this year. They, yeah. They're kind of going to take it easy. So, yeah, I guess that's what I'm <laughs> doing. That's a tough one. Yeah, I know. Vegas set that line very well. Yeah. Morton, what about you? I believe the Warriors will have the first back-to-back 70-win seasons Ooh. in NBA history because I think that because they're not focusing on it right now, I, I think they're just going to play their game. They're going to relax. And then wins are just going to come so easy to them. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I think they just hit another level now. I think the fact that they have this talented roster. And I, I don't think the bench... Okay, it's it's slightly thin. But I don't think it's that big of a problem as people are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. I, I could totally see them just you know cruising their way to 70 wins. And not, you know, with no care in the world for anything. They're just like focused on the playoffs. Now, if Steve Kerr decides to like sit uh, four the four big uh, stars on any given night, then fair enough, I could see the under. But if he's not, and he just settles for like okay, twenty minutes tonight, Katie, yeah, I yeah you know, I could still see it going. Just by the way, one question here: Why did Maurice Spates sign with the, for a minimum in with the Clippers when he could have signed the minimum? With Golden State, like there, there are minutes to get at the big position. I didn't get that decision. Like he signed for the vets minimum. Yeah. In, in in L. A. Right. Yeah, he did. And I honestly don't know. But are we sure that the Warriors offered him a contract? Oh, see now, if they didn't, that would be like the one thing I would point to over the summer and say, "Oh, you messed up." Yeah. That's a guy who can come in and play 12 minutes and get you 12 points. Right. Like yeah. here and there, of course. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to shoot a lot. Right. But he, you could also use him as a stretch center. Mm-hmm. Like just imagine the lineups. You could have, you could have Spates, Draymond, KD, Clay, and Steph. Like that's five out right there. Yeah. We'll just wait till JaVale McGee starts shooting threes. <laughs> oh, it's, and you know it's going to happen. Yeah. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> For sure. So I'm actually... Um, Sarah, I think I'm, ta- I'm going with you. I'll take slightly under. I would say, honestly, 66. I just think they're... Haters. They're, I, I mean, I could see it as 70. I really just think that drive for 73 burned them out last year, and they know that. Mm-hmm. And they're... I mean, I think Kerr is going to liberally rest guys just to keep people fresh for the playoffs. So yeah, let's move fair. on to probably the next most interesting team in this conference. I mean, all, all five of these teams are actually pretty interesting. It's the exact opposite of the Southeast. 
<laughs> but the Los Angeles Lakers, in their first year without Kobe Bryant since the late 90s, they brought in Brandon Ingram, the number two pick. They got a Luol Deng and Timothy Mozgov in free agency as their big signings. Uh, Yi Jianlian took a flyer on him. Luke Walton is their new coach. So I think, I mean, you know, obviously the big question is what do they look like without Kobe? But the thing I'm actually probably most interested in is what do we see out of D'Angelo Russell now that he's free for Byron Scott? Um, do, do you remember if it was Universal or whatever movie uh, production company that made Braveheart? <laughs> I don't I don't Because we, we need to like apply for a license so we could use Mel Gibson's Cry for Freedom. <laughs> That's where we're at with, with D'Angelo, yeah. right? For sure, yeah. I, he's even come out and said recently that he didn't have the support that he thought he was going to last year, and his off season was like a total cluster F. Uh, and then Byron Scott, I think TMZ tracked him down after he made those comments, and he's like, "I I have no relationship with D'Angelo Russell, and I have no interest in having one." Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Luke Walton has been singing russell's praises the whole summer and he said he could be an all-star caliber point guard i mean he showed flashes at the end of last year i mean the kids you know he, he didn't rise up to be the number two pick out of nowhere like i don't think he's a bust by any means i think it's way too early to write him off especially byron was awful man like byron was the worst coach of the nba by far last year so yeah. I, I think lakers fans have reason to be very excited about russell you know, Ingram is, you know, the big attraction because he's the new flashy thing. But I think Russell is honestly going to be their most important piece this year. Um, Maury, I'm going to go to you with this next one since you are familiar with Luol Deng, given your history with the Bulls. So Luke Walton has said he's going to bring Ingram off the bench to start the year, which presumably means Deng is going to start at the three. You agree yeah. or disagree with that? I disagree. Oh. I, I I don't think it's a good idea to put Lou at the three. I know it was his natural position for a decade, uh -huh. well over a decade, but he's he's got a little slower, which is you know it's fair. He's what he's gonna be. I think he's thirty one now. He's from eighty five, so he's he's thirty one now, mm -hmm. and he's played a ton of minutes. Sure. And it just seemed like he looked a lot better at the four last year in Miami. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it gave. It gave the the heat a little bit more space to operate, and just he he seemed like a more natural fit of that slot. But I understand why they are slotting him into the three because they have Julius Randle, you know, playing the four. I'm not necessarily a huge believer in Randle yet. Mm -hmm. I I saw a lot of red flags and a lot of concerns about his play, and I I think Dang would add some stability to the four spot instead. Mm -hmm. But it's not something I'm losing any sleep over. I, he'll he'll help them regardless. Dang, uh, of course, uh, by playing the three or the four. But I just think you kind of waste this game a little bit by by forcing him to match up against a lot quicker guys. Interesting, Sarah. What do you think about that one? I'm not going to challenge anything Morton said. <laughs> uh, I really didn't get to see him play a lot last year at the four, so I have to take his his word for it that he fit better there. Yeah. Um, it was Where after... did they play Nance? Did they play Nance at the four as well? Oh, uh, I don't. I think they kind of switched him between both spots, but now, okay. 
you know, now they have Mozgov and they have Zubac. Right. So I would assume he's going to play most of his minutes at the four. Okay. Well, well uh, Nance actually, if I'm not mistaken, he played the four and five, right? Yeah, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Did I miss something? <laughs> no, no, four and five. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm torn on this dang thing because you brought up some really good points, Morton. And, you know, he really did. Uh, it was after the All-Star breaks era when, when Bosch went out, they put dang okay. at the four, like, exclusively, and he blew up. I mean, wow. he, yeah, he, he had, like, I don't remember his exact averages, but it was somewhere around, like, 15 points eight rebounds a couple assists yeah. uh i think and he, he murdered charlotte in the playoffs yeah i think he, yeah. his shooting efficiency also went up significantly at the four yeah. um so it did seem like that was the natural position for him i you know i, I would assume he's gonna get some minutes at the four off the bench behind randall like may or maybe they even do some like randall at the five dang at the four small ball stuff um you know ingram's really thin like that that's not a slight against him. It's what we knew about him coming in, but the dude's like 200 pounds soaking wet. So I don't know that he's going to be able to withstand uh, the pounding of being a starter right away. Like, I, I think it's smart of Walton to recognize that limitation and try to preserve his body, especially at the beginning of the year. I mean, there's no guarantee Deng stays a starter the entire season, but at least to start the year, you know, They've got a lot of offensive-minded guys uh, in their starting lineup already between Russell, Jordan Clarkson, and Randall. So it for that reason, I kind of like Ingram off the bench as like this microwave scoring sixth man. Like mm-hmm. you know, he's obviously their long-term starter at the three. It's that's not going to be his role forever. But if he's you know if he's amenable to starting his career off the bench, which is impressive for someone with his draft status then good on luke walton for taking advantage of it i think we i wonder if i wonder if they signed dang to move him like later on to trade him it wouldn't surprise me yeah yeah you know we can we can look at and this this credit goes out to mark deeks because he was the one who wrote a tremendous piece on it uh years back and actually reiterated his points uh recently but uh, Denver re-signed Nene back mm-hmm. in the day, yep. and they didn't want Nene. They re-signed him so they they could have like a trade chip, right. and then they traded him for Jabale. Ironically, <laughs> yeah. we talked about earlier, yeah. as sort of their pseudo free agent acquisition. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's, it's it's kind of interesting to see like the dynamics there because theoretically, if they give Julius Randle a lot of minutes this year and he has like a lot of raw stats, which he, which he did last year as well, mm-hmm. but might be missing a little bit, then they could package he and Dang for a legitimate four, maybe. Yeah. You know, just spitballing that out there. And and then they could do that for year two of Ingram. Then they could run out, you know, uh, Russell, Clarkson, Ingram, whatever they get for Dang and Randall. Okay, and then Timothy Moscow. But, you know, you get, you get my point. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's a good point. Because, I mean, on the surface, it makes no sense for one of your big free agent signings to play the same position as your star draft pick here's looking at you orlando uh but (laughs) but yeah i mean it makes sense that you know i think dang will be like a good veteran leader to kind of show ingram the ropes and like oh hell yeah give him this you know teach him like how to be a two-way player because that was 
Deng's specialty. Like he was never a elite scorer, but like the dude was under Tibbs, he was one of the best lockdown wings in the league. So if you know why the Bulls sucked for the last two years and was so inconsistent, it was because they traded Deng midway through the year before. Yeah, not having Luol Deng there ruined the entire chemistry of the roster. Deng is such an underrated teammate and locker room guy. And it's something that, you know, people in this day and age, and myself included, we, we all like advanced stats, right? Mm-hmm. We look at the advanced numbers and we kind of pick and choose guys who have the right numbers. That's fine. That's fair. But we sometimes we forget the human angle of it. And Dang is the one guy you just can't miss that part of. Yeah. Like, he's the guy who would always, like, put his arm around the rookie just tell him to keep his head up. Like, okay, don't worry about it. Let me let me show you where to stand. Let me let me move you over here. You know, you can get a shot here. I'll set a screen here. He was very like directive. And then after they traded him, like no one really picked it up. Joakim tried for a period, mm-hmm. but then his knee got bad, and and you know things just started sucking. And Lou still has that ability. Lou still is that type of guy. Yeah, because he's so good at heart. I think he's going to be like a mentor yeah. for for Ingram, and and not in like oh like the typical vet coming in to teach the rook kind of stuff, but like a legitimate mentor, KD to Towns mentor. Yeah, yeah, and they're both Duke guys, right? That's right. So they've got that <laughs> that Coach K pedigree working for them. Uh, Morton, you mentioned Mozgov earlier as you scoffed at him. So, Sarah, I'm going to throw this... Oh, no, I, that's not fair. I scoffed at the $64 million. Okay. Moskov is fine. I like Moskov. I just scoffed at the $64 million because, you know, I don't like Moskov that much, though. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, Sarah, <laughs> I'm going to throw this one to you, given your infatuation with big men. Do you think there's any way he lives up to that contract that he signed this summer? Um, probably not quite that, no. Um... <laughs> But I mean, considering some of the numbers that got thrown around this summer, it's not like miles off, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I love Larry Nance Jr., so I don't even have room in my heart for any other bigs on the Lakers right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I mean, I've seen people pushing for him over Randall, and I think that's a fair argument. I don't yeah. see why not. Um, but I mean, Talking about Ingram starting on the bench, they could have a pretty fun bench unit. Um, you could have Huertas. I don't know who you'd put it to. Maybe Lou Williams, Ingram, Nance Jr., and then possibly Yi, depending on whether you're yeah. big or not. Right. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah think... No, Mozgov is, is what he is, but he, he is. Like Morton said, he's a fair player. He's fine, but that is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And Morton, I think we know you you are pretty out on Mozzie at sixty four million. And, you know, we we yeah. all we all laughed at it at the time when free agency started. It's a crazy price. Uh but you know, I you guys both said it. He's he's a good player. Like two years ago he was a huge key to the Cavs. You know, they were pretty crappy halfway through the year. They trade for Mozgov, they get JR and Shump, and all of a sudden they make it to the finals. Like he was a big piece of that team. So I think you know, oh, he was. Especially, and I'll, I'll admit something right here. I actually said in my Danish podcast that he would be an all-star last year. I thought he would build on the 2015 finals mm-hmm. 
and actually go into 2015, 2016 and become an all-star for the Cavs because it seemed like he was capable of having the ball run through him. Yeah. But then, yeah, things just didn't happen for him. Yes. And, and yeah, things went downhill. And then $64 million now looks utterly ridiculous, as do I, by the way, for the all-star comment. <laughs> right. You, yeah. d- you didn't even have to share that because none of us yeah. understand no, Dana. I'm, I'm just realizing that right now. <laughs> yeah. <I> probably <laughs> that, that should have stayed in my vault because yeah. you guys don't understand Dana. It was just my fear of you guys finding out. But no, no, there's, no. You could you could have let that one slide. We would have no, yeah. no idea. I mean, Mozzie <laughs> did come back, it sounds like, last year a little bit too early from knee surgery is what Brian Windhorst reported. And he yeah. never fully recovered. So maybe... Uh, with a full summer off, and he'll look a little bit better. Um, I mean, anything's going to be an improvement over what Roy Hibbert provided last year, bless his heart. So, I, you know, I, I think we're all agreed that he's not going to be a $16 million a year player, but he is going to be a valuable piece to this team. So let's go back to the over-under game. You know, Vegas has them at 24.5, and this was before the Simmons injury, uh, but that was the second-worst record in the league ahead of only Brooklyn, I believe. Do you guys think they're going to be that bad this year? Um, I I probably have the over. Okay. Like, how because how far over is what I should have asked? You know, that's, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. It it could be everything like like if I say over it could be anything from twenty five and and actually all the way up to like thirty seven thirty eight right like th- there's like a a pretty large spread right there I I think a lot hinges on Dang's continued effectiveness mm-hmm. the fact that they have to like adjust to life without Kobe yeah let's let's I mean that's the elephant in the room right sure because now now you you don't have the bailout guy yeah. There's been a bailout guy there for 20 damn years. Mm-hmm. Like, who's the bailout guy? D'Angelo Russell? Like, he, he's not tried that all for for a full year. So he's, he's going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm the bailout guy now. Like, I he, that's that's something he needs to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Then we have Ingram. We He's a big question mark as of right now. We're not sure if he's going to, you know, average five points or 15, let's be honest. Right. Uh, but he, a gun to my head, about between 25 and 31. Okay. Sarah, how about you? Um, you know, they have a talented young team. Like, yeah. I know that Lakers fans are suffering a loss, as am I, but it's, you know, they have reason to be excited. Um, mm-hmm. But, see, when, when you get into specific game counts, you get into math, and, and that's uh, beyond <laughs> me. Uh, but yeah. I do. Like, I feel like they should win a few more than that, but... When I look at what are the teams that they're going to beat, like who are they going to feast on, there really aren't a lot of those. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to really come up with much more than 24 wins. That's a fair point. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. And they, oh, they still have to learn how to win, too. I mean, they're so young. I think they're going to be in in some games, mm-hmm. but then that closing time will come and they won't. they got to figure that out still. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be the Sixers for the last three years, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... I, I was shocked when I saw this number because I really – I might just be irrationally high on them, but I feel like Dang and Mozgov fill some big holes. You know, mm-hmm. I talked earlier. I expect Russell to have a huge year. Uh, you know, I think adding Luke Walton is going to add three or four wins on its own just because Byron Scott was yeah. so damn awful last year. Um, so, like, you know, I, I'm seeing, like, 
the low to mid 30s more so than the 20s for the Lakers. I I might be higher on them than I should be, but I really don't think they're going to be anywhere near as bad as their Vegas pick. Uh, so if, if I were their betting man, they the over for them and the under for the Sixers would be two of my rock-solid locks for this year. Let's move on to the tire fire of the division, the Sacramento <laughs> Kings, who... Oh, man. Yeah. Well, so they could be... You know, they're interesting this year. Let's let's put it that way. They added Dave Yeager. They lost George Carl. So that is an upgrade. They added a couple of two guards in Aaron Aflalo and Malachi Richardson. Got rid of Marco Bellinelli and Seth Curry. So Ben McLemore is still just as buried as he always was. And then they added a bunch of big men in the draft. Scala Bissieri and Joyos Papianis. So now they have about 7,000 centers, even though their best player is best at the bye. I'm still trying to figure out where the interesting part came, Brian. <laughs> I, so let's let's start with Boogie, because that's always the big story with Sacramento. Do you guys think yeah. he connects with Jaeger like he did with Mike Malone, or is this another George Carl situation waiting to happen? Oh, it looks like Sarah and I disagree because she was sh- shaking her head. I actually think Dave Yeager is like the perfect coach for Bookie because I think he resembles Mike Malone. Uh, and and he doesn't have this built-in ego of George Carr. Yeah, right. I, I think you need to have a guy who's, who's got a lot of patience. And it seems to me that Yeager does have that ability. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly... It's it's just like a hunch. It's not because I'm I, I'm I have some sort of inside source about this. It's just I I just sense those two will click. Mm-hmm. It seems like when he took the job in Sacramento, like everyone knows that Sacramento is a hell job. <laughs> right? Why would you want it? Right? Right? I think Yaker looked at Boogie and went, you know what? This is my this is my attempt. I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna get Boogie on board. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna take this unless I can get Boogie on board because if I can do that. Then I, if I can unlock the cousins, I mean, dude. Uh, and, and I think he looks at it as, as a challenge, and I think he'll succeed in that challenge. So, Sarah, it sounds like you do not agree with Mort here. Oh, honestly, I was more shaking my head because I still can't believe that they got rid of Malone. So, oh. <laughs> more of that. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Um, uh, as far as Jaeger, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I think yeah, I mean, he is he's patient. He comes from a team where certainly his best players, I mean, Mike Conley's a great player too, but they were bigs, so yep. I feel like that's yeah. a good sign. Yes. Um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he certainly can connect with him, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think yeah. you bring up a really good point that, you know, he's coming from a Memphis Grizzlies team where Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol were two of his three best players and he got mm-hmm. those guys to coexist really well which is going to be very important given their log jam in the front court now uh so i you know i'm hopeful for kings fans i mean god you know i'm a sixers fan so i've, I've been through some suffering lately and frankly i want the kings to suck because i want <laughs> it to increase the odds of the sixers getting a primo draft pick next year but like for kings fans i just feel so bad i want you guys to have a good year like, I really, I, you know, you deserve one year of just no drama with Boogie. It's because he's going to leave after 2017-18. So at least get one more year of goodness before it all goes to hell. 
uh, speaking of things going to hell, Rudy Gay, his agents or subsources who were most certainly his agents, leaked to Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical that he plans on uh, opting out after this year and has no intention of leaving or re-signing with the franchise. So, Morton, how long before they trade Rudy Gay? Do you think he lasts the entire season? No, no. I mean, oh God. See, I say no right off the bat because it's logical not to, or it's logical to trade him because he's made this point. Right. But it's the Kings, right? Yep. So logic need not apply. Yeah. Good Woj point. did yeah. say that they have no intention on trading him right now because they are pushing for a playoff spot. So. Oh my God. Oh so my God. it's the Kings, basically. All right, then I'm just going to let Vosh respond yeah. on my behalf, but that's <laughs> obviously the wrong decision. Right. Oh, look, look, here's... Let's just talk about the Kings more, you know, generally. Here's the problem, right? Even if Dave Yeager is going to be this awesome coach and he unlocks Boogie and whatever... Like, I wouldn't even put it past Vivek Ranadive to fire his ass after the season. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't. Right. This, this is where we are at. I mean, I know people say, oh, come on, Mort. If, he's, if he has a good year, obviously he's not going to get fired. Yeah, fair enough. That logic would apply for any other NBA team, and I would buy that, <laughs> but not for the fucking Kings. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's run by idiots at this point, and it's highly disappointing, and I can't wait to see Boogie leave them in, the tr- in, you know, in his tracks. I, I just I don't get the logic of this team. I have zero, zero confidence in their ability to trade neither Rudy or DeMarcus Cousins. And, I hell, would, would it surprise you guys if they got, like, two draft picks and a wasted rookie for Boogie <laughs> and that was it? Like I don't even know. I don't even think they have the ability to get a decent return for him. Oh yeah, no. They way. could they could be trading him for freaking magic beans for all I know, <laughs> like literal magic beans. Well, I'm sure other teams know they have no leverage because yeah. there's no way Boogie's going to resign there. So yeah. the longer they wait to trade both him and Rudy Gay, the worse their return yeah. is going to be. So uh, I'm has, with you. Has has the Kings become the official wasteland of the NBA? At this point, yes. remember a couple of years back when it was the Charlotte Bobcats? Yeah. And every writer in America's joke was, oh, you know, if a guy doesn't play nice in the locker room, he can always get traded to, to you know, Charlotte. Ha, ha, ha. Because that's the worst play to play. Like, that line just substituted with Sacramento right now. Yeah. is That's where we're at, right? Well, it's yeah. the place where you go to rehab your image if you are a point guard in need of that which is what rajan rondo oh did i knew last it year. i knew you were gonna throw that in my face but, you know what that's you're so sleeping on the couch tonight, <laughs> but but that actually leads to so they signed ty lawson uh yeah. recently and the only other nominal point guard on their roster is darren collison so do you think ty lawson pulls a rondo and actually rehabs his image to the point where he becomes a useful piece for another team next year? That's a good question. I mean, that was the idea in Houston as well, but that didn't happen. Right. I mean, I, you know, the Ty Lawson situation to me is also a little bit weird. It seems like he's under the belief that, you know, the DUIs uh, were kind of overblown. Mm-hmm. Like, I I wasn't there. I can't comment. All I know is the DUIs is idiotic, but, yeah. you know, put that to bed. I have no idea what happened. 
I don't know if he's like a fully blown alcoholic. I don't know if it's if the rehab he's entered is something he takes seriously or not. Mm-hmm. But so it it really all depends on where he's at mentally. Yeah. Like, I think it's unfair to me to to try to get into his head and say, oh, you know, he's fought his demons and he's 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 beaten them. I have no idea. I don't even know if he has demons or he feels slighted by the media. Mm-hmm. No idea, man. But for his sake, I hope so. Yeah. Obviously, I, I I hope that he gets his you know his image and his life back on track and and everything it runs smoothly for him because that's better for him and in the end that's better for the NBA. Yeah. But, I mean, one thing you, we should note though is Darren is a damn good point guard. Yeah, he is. It's gonna be hard like beating him out of the job. Right. He is so underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Lawson supplants Collison at any point this year, but I do think. He'll be a useful backup, and I think he'll be motivated by what Rondo did last year. I think he'll see that, you know, that Rondo's reputation was tattered when he went to Sacramento. and Still is. The, yeah. I mean, come but, on, just because the Bulls signed him, people make it seem like he's kind of good again? Yeah. No, everyone is dogging on that one. So, But he's still got $28 million, so I think Lawson knows if he wants another big payday, he's got to play nice this year. And, uh, 14 million second years unguaranteed <laughs> thankfully <laughs> do you have that that contract like tattooed on your wrist <laughs> just so you could remind yourself oh. <laughs> me having anything to do with rondo tattooed on my body would not be a good thing i would not be a good thing. that's a fair point all right so the last thing we should talk about here ben mclemore you know he's been I, I don't want to say a draft bust, because I don't think that's fair, especially given the environment that he's been playing in. Yeah. But he has been at least a mild disappointment, I think it's fair to say. You know, he was, It seemed like he was coming on in his second year, and then Carl took over and basically had no patience for him, cut his minutes severely. He did shoot a career best from three-point range last year, but now, you know, as soon as they trade... Bellinelli, you think, oh, he's going to get his chance, and then they immediately draft Malachi Richardson and sign Aaron Aflalo. So, Sarah, do you think Ben McElmore has any chance of finally breaking out this year, or is he a lost cause that just needs to get out of Sacramento and find a new team? I honestly, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I never want to say someone is a lost cause. Um but I don't know. You make a very fair point about the environment. Uh, that's probably the worst place other than the Lakers with Byron Scott last year to try to develop <laughs> as a player. So, uh, But you know what's funny? I just pulled something up. It says, two days ago, NBA trade rumors. This is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. DeMarcus Cousins oh, yes. and Ben McLemore to yeah. the Blazers for C.J. McCollum and Mason Plumley. Yeah, I did see that. That's- just what? to clarify, that's from like one it's of the those, Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah, like one it's of those terrible. sites that is not at all a real source. Do not take that as. <laughs> I didn't even see that. I'm glad I did. Yeah, I did. yeah the Blazers yeah. would have to be all on drugs for yeah. that one. Uh, and let's not forget, McCollum can't even be traded yet. So true. Yeah, amazing. Right. So there's like details, Morton. Details. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Screw the CBA. We're gonna do it anyway. Uh, Yabada yeah. English cares not for your CBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I I have a feeling, you know, Mecklemore has said he's getting nothing but positive vibes from Jaeger, so I think that's a good sign. Uh, and he's he sounds open to the competition. You know, I think Jaeger's gonna give him a fair shot. 
And if he doesn't pan out, then he's gonna just he's gonna leave after next year and go be in like that Dion Waiters mode where he needs to sign a short term prove it deal. Uh, you know, to prove that he can be a long term piece, but he's still really young. I think he doesn't turn twenty four until he either doesn't turn twenty four or twenty five until next February. I think twenty four. Twenty twenty four. Yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. like he's twenty three now. Yeah. He he's still very young. That the book is not yet written on Mclemore's career, yeah. and he shot forty two percent from three as a freshman at Kansas. Like the kid can shoot. Just think mm-hmm. he's been in a terrible environment for his skills to grow. So he's the guy that I'm going to be keeping my eye on in Sacramento this year and a positive note because everything else is a tire fire there. So, and the bulls are a trade target for him because he was involved in that, uh, alleged pow deal. Oh, right. That didn't go through. Good point. Like there was like a Tony Snell, Ben McLemore swap uh, considered in that deal. Yeah. So I, I reckon the bull, the bulls are one of those teams that if they show interest in a guy, they usually go back and revisit it mm-hmm. later on. Just just see Pau Gasol. They had interest in him in 2007, and then they waited until 2014 when he was seven years older because that's that's when he was interesting again. Same goes for Dwayne Wade. I'm getting off a tangent here, but the point remains. Ben McElmore could be a bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forget probably. who – someone from the Sacramento Bee, I think Jason Jones, is that the guy's name? Um yeah reported that they have been shopping Macklemore for the last couple months. He's still available on trade talks. So he's, he, along with Rudy Gay (laughs) and to a lesser extent, Boogie are, is an eye to keep an, or a name to keep an eye on in that front. So let's move briefly to the Phoenix Suns before we (laughs) tackle the final team here. I mean, the big additions they made were their two top 10 picks, Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. They also brought in, brought back, Jerry Dudley, Leandro Barbosa, and also got Tyler Ulis. So I think the big question here, you know, Brandon Knight is back. Eric Bledsoe is back. Devin Booker just broke out. Morton, how do they juggle the minutes between those three guys? And should they trade one? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because remember when we covered the Central Division and after we were finished recording, I told you guys I forgot to make a point that I thought Eric Bledsoe would be a perfect trade target for the Bucks. Yeah. So this is my chance just to say that I'm <laughs> we're actually recording. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be problematic, but and not to be a dick about it, but, well, you know, Bledsoe is probably going to go down again at some point. It seems like his body is made of glass. I hope I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's just, yeah, let me just reiterate, reiterate that again. I ho- definitely hope I'm wrong. Injuries suck, but he is just... He can't stay healthy. Um, Brandon Knight, I just realized now, missed 30 games last year. Completely blew my mind. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, assuming that those two have injury problems again, then it wouldn't be a tremendous problem you know, to find minutes. Mm-hmm. But if they are all healthy, then they really would need to juggle it uh, and be a little bit creative. I don't want to see Devin Booker settle for 28 minutes a game. He should be playing at least... 32 33 minutes this year yeah. if not more i mean he's so young he's so gifted and that shooting ability just needs to have him out there but no you know something's got to give you also have minutes tyler Eulis. you need to give him a little bit of something something so yeah I, and and the guy out for me again as i mentioned is bledsoe yeah yeah i just he's he's just too inconsistent health-wise okay 
yes. to be the long-term solution. Even though he's the most talented, right. let me just point that out. Yeah, yeah. I was going to make sure that it was the injury history more so than the talent. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... no, I mean he's he's terrific. Like a healthy Eric Bledsoe, all-star player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think I think you're right that you can't put the genie back in the bottle with Devin Booker. Like. He just makes sense as a two, whereas Bledsoe and Knight were this like dual point guard thing that they've been running since mm. the Isaiah Thomas, uh, Goran Dragic era. Um, so I think you know he's got to start at the two, and then it becomes who do you start at the one, Bledsoe or Knight? I think you start Bledsoe, and you have Knight come off the bench. It just seems like the most logical route. I've long yeah. thought that the Suns were a logical trade uh partner with the Sixers you know if they're not sold on Alex Len as their long-term answer at center like a night for Nerland's Noel swap it it would probably incite a riot in Philadelphia but that's it shouldn't that's good that's, yeah I mean, that's fair I'm not super opposed to it especially given Nerland's frustration as of late like it would not totally surprise me if those two teams linked up at some point this year uh, you know, especially, you know, Tyson Chandler's 33, 34. He's very much not going to be a long-term piece of this puzzle. So it really depends yeah. on Alex Len, what, what they think of him and whether they believe he could be a franchise center. So Sarah, I'm going to throw it back to you again with the infatuation to big men. <laughs> Do you think Alex Len is a piece worth keeping around long-term in Phoenix? Uh, it's funny because you just phrased that two different ways <laughs> um i mean he could be a piece worth keeping around but i don't know that he's your franchise center okay can, can i answer it that way <laughs> yes yeah you can okay yeah i i yeah i'm not sold on him yet as far as that um like i said you could keep him around <laughs> see see how this year goes for sure but then then you probably want to make that decision next summer and mm-hmm. see if you need to start looking for a different center. And at this point, I would say, yeah, keep looking. But sorry, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No offense, Alex. Let Morton, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh, look, he is talented. He is young. But it seems like he's – I actually expected a little bit more out of him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he would be further along at this point. Yeah. Hasn't happened. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, there's actually another guy on the roster that's that's more intriguing to me. Not a big man, though, but that's TJ Warren. Yes. Like, I know he's only played like 40, is it 40 and 41 games consecutively? He's not been healthy yeah. either. Yeah, but, they've had a lot of injuries you know, he, in Phoenix. Yeah. He was such a, a tremendous scorer. I think it was NC State he played for. Or am I misremembering? Uh, I don't know. I don't but, remember. Yeah, but he, he averaged like 25 points like in his sophomore season or something. He was pretty – I mean, he wasn't like an advanced four-year guy. and mm-hmm. He was still, you know, dropping 25 a game. And he started at times last year to look like that t- same type of player, yeah. at least carrying that same mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was attacking the basket. He started stroking the three ball, which he didn't even have in college. Um, and and he just seemed like to, to get a handle on this NBA scoring thing. So it's going to be really intriguing seeing if he can 
build on that for this year. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he became like a 16-point-a-night guy. Yeah. Which is huge. Right. I mean... No, I'm, I'm likewise high on him. That actually leads to this final question for Phoenix. So they've got TJ Warren, they have Jared Dudley, they have PJ Tucker, and they have their two young rookies. They have uh, Bender and Chris. So who starts at the three and the four for them this year? Oh, I knew it. I knew it was coming, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have an answer. You know what? Hell, I'm. Uh, it's not going to happen. But I'm just going to share with what I want to happen, and that's T.J. Warren and Dragon Bender. Ooh. Okay. I, I want it to happen. It's not going to happen because, you know, typical NBA style, oh, we want a, a veteran out there yep. even though we're not going anywhere. I just want to I, – I, I want them to say, screw it. We're going young and just giving them all the minutes they can handle. And as soon as they mess up, then you put in P.J. Tucker who cleans everything up. Yeah, he's a really good underrated player. I really – Oh, he's terrific. I, like, I actually think he's going to start at three – and yeah. ready for this hot take, Jared Dudley to start at the four. Oh no, I, I don't think that's a hot take. Oh, that's no? more than likely. Oh. No, he started. He, he was like a four man in Washington. I know. And he played really well at the four. I know. I understand exactly. that. I was going to say I want Dudley on the floor, and that was the only thing I was yeah. sure of. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, no, I, I and I get that entirely. Dudley's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I just want to see that youth train get going. Right. I mean, the, yeah, the Suns are going to be very bad this year. I I think that's that's <laughs> a fair. <laughs> fair thing to say uh so it does make sense for them to give a lot of minutes to their young guys and as you said morton get that youth train going but Mm -hmm. you know i I don't think they signed dudley to what like three years 30 million that was not just uh token money i think they signed him to play a major role so we'll we'll see yeah he's he's like their toletovich replacement because mirsa signed for the exact same in milwaukee right yes and he's going to fill a very similar role. So we will see what happens yeah. with Phoenix. Let's let's turn our attention finally to the Los Angeles Clippers, who are probably fake, facing the biggest make-or-break season of any team in this division. So last year, before the season started, if you remember, uh, Doc Rivers spoke with Grant, uh, then of Grantland, Zach Lowe, and he basically said, look, you know, if we don't, win this year we might have just hit our ceiling and it happened to memphis and it happened to houston and it happened to a couple other teams like there's just sometimes you need to blow a core up then blake griffin partially tears his quad and then breaks his hand punching an equipment staffer uh and the clippers get knocked out in the first round the clippers do not actually trade any of these guys but now they have Blake and CP3 both heading into what will be the final season of their contracts. So Sarah, seeing as the Clippers are one of the Spurs' biggest threats out West, do you think if they don't make the conference finals, this is it for the CP3, Griffin, DeAndre core? I feel like I just saw something yesterday, was it? Um, where they said they were committed to keeping them together. Mm. I don't know, and I should have made a note of that. But, <laughs> um, gosh, it, it's so it's such a strange question because it's like it's a really really good team. Yeah. And yet, you know, the teams do get to this point where you feel like, oh, we gotta we gotta do something to break this up because we we haven't hit that championship mark that we want. Mm-hmm. But. 
it's so hard for me to give up on, on a core like that because there again, you never know what could happen. How long do the Warriors reign? You right. know, it's, it's got, I mean, they're right, they're right there. They really are. And yeah. I've seen a lot of people, I think it's the popular thing actually, uh, to pick, put them over the Spurs right now. As, yeah. At least I've seen several people doing it. Um, and I can't really argue with that. I mean, we we tend to forget because it feels like ancient history now that Blake was a serious MVP contender until yes. he you know partially through bad luck partially through his own decisions through his <laughs> season out the window last year right um, yeah. and they they have some interesting signings you know they what I still don't really know what are they doing at the three they got what Pierce. Uh, Wesley, Mamute, Darrell Wright, all different guys they could throw in there. Mo Spates. Yeah. <laughs> Mo Buckets. I mean, they have an interesting roster this year. I think this is probably their best shot in a long time, except for, of course, the fact that the Warriors exist. Right. But, yeah, yeah it's good. If, if they really um, underachieve, they might blow it up. But I think, I think if you're close, like you said, if they make – the conference finals then you gotta keep it together yeah yeah and uh Lowe has said repeatedly you know it's really freaking hard to build a 50 win team like you don't mm-hmm. give up on yeah. that very often so it it would take a lot i think for them to actually pull the trigger and uh, yeah sarah i think i saw something similar i want to say it was even earlier today i didn't actually click through but i think it was a story on yeah pro basketball talk about Balmer saying he's willing to pay whatever it takes to keep Blake and CP3 on the Clippers. So, you know, however much luxury tax they're going to have to pay. Uh, It sounds like they're committed to keeping that group together past this year. But as you said, if they really underachieve, if Blake breaks his hand, punching someone else again, (laughs) that, that Uh might change things. Uh, Morton, what do you think, what do you expect from Blake this year after what happened last year? Uh, hopefully redemption. Yeah. He did a really stupid thing. He did a really horrific thing. And um, I, I really have no idea like what's going through his head right now. He did write a letter, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yes. Apologize. I haven't yeah. read the letter. Yeah. I just know he published a letter. Yeah, yeah. on the player's did tribute. Did he take full responsibility? Yes, he did. He said, All right. yeah, like, it was it was a really, it was on the Players' Tribune, and it's a letter to Clippers fans basically apologizing and saying, I'm an idiot. He said his older brother, I think Taylor is the one, yeah, uh, yeah. called, called him, him. Yeah. yeah, called him and said, dude, this isn't you. Like, what are you doing? Um, All right. Yeah, and he said. Now, see, that's nice. Yeah. Like, him recognizing, you know, it's the need to look inwards. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to carry a lot of weight. Having said that, CP3 is still the engine, right? Yeah. Like, I, the Clippers go as far as he goes, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but like he he needs his Carl Malone, right? If you understand, like that's because that's really the the best pairing for, for uh, comparison for those two. This is the new generation's Stock and Carl, and they just have this problem of of you know getting through. Yeah, it's. It's really I, I have such a hard time putting it into words. It's just something that happens. Like something goes wrong each and every year. Right. Something is out of their hands. Something is within their grasp, and then they mess it up. It's 
It's just uncanny. But having said that, I think they're looking at the Dallas method. Yeah. Remember when, mm-hmm. when Dallas just decided that they want to keep this window open for as long as possible? And like, how long did that window stay open? Like 12, 13 years? Yeah. I, I think that's what they're trying to do. And then they're just praying that something falls their way. Yeah. And then they find themselves where they need to be. And, and let's be honest, like most teams who are you know 50 50 win squads they they all need some kind of luck thrown their way to like beat out goliath right and uh they they sticking together is the easier path like if they blow it up then they have to start all over again that's another five years and then there's another five years to like break through so that's a decade right there sure i understand the need to to stay together but i wouldn't put it past blake to like just for example, look at Russell Westbrook next year and go, well, you're younger, you're more explosive, you could use a foreman, and, uh, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, and remember, you know, the the trade the the three of us thought of. Mm-hmm. Oh, Russell yeah. Westbrook yeah. and Serge Ibaka yeah. for, for Paul, and yeah. uh, and now, now that's out of the window right. because, you know, KD's moved on, but like, I could totally see, like, that Russell Westbrook, uh, Blake griffin pairing next year yeah uh, but you know regarding blake i don't know uh he's just so up and down sometimes like i do miss some kind of consistency from him i i i know sarah you said that he was an mvp candidate mm-hmm. i just when i watch him play i never get the sense that he is entirely and utterly in full of full control of the game which I think you need to be if you're an MVP candidate. He's not like let's take your guy and also my guy Kawhi. Like mm-hmm. at no point do I feel Kawhi has lost the grasp of the game, even if they're down. It seems like Kawhi always has an understanding of where the game is, where it's going. Blake has never had the need of that because he's had Chris. Exactly. Like Chris Paul is the guy who has that sense about him. So so Griffin plays off of that but he doesn't seem to have it like himself. He may have it. He may just need to display it, mm-hmm. but that would need for that. Then that would be a need for Paul to not be there for an extended period of time. So it's a good question, Ryan. Um, the, the short answer is, I don't know. And the long answer is the one I just gave. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all fair. Uh, what I would like to see this year is like, as you guys have been talking about Chris Paul's the motor, they go as he goes. I would like to see more of, you know, we've seen it before. They they put um, Blake at the elbows a lot, mm. and he's a very good passer from there. Yeah. So mm. I feel like let's let's look into that a little more. Take some of the pressure of creating all of our offense off of Chris Paul, and then too, it could have the the bonus impact of as you were talking about, Warden, getting Blake more in control of the game. Let's see if he has that. Because I think it could be there, but like you said, we don't know because Chris Paul dominates so much. That's just kind of the nature of his game. So, yeah, if they could kind of spread that a little more, that could be fun. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that word up, you know, dominant. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you, Brian. Like, you're the first one. Is Chris Paul, despite his obvious greatness, is he too ball dominant? Especially in this new era of the NBA where everything is movement and cutting. Yeah. I mean, I I guess there's 
there's an argument to be made for that, I guess. I don't know that I would necessarily say that. I do agree with Sarah that they should take advantage of Blake's passing ability as much as they mm. can. But, you know, in last season before he got hurt, he averaged almost five assists a game. So it's not like they weren't taking advantage of it. You know, he he's never averaged fewer than 3.2. And, Morton, to your point about uh, Blake, you know, not necessarily ever, you're never sure he's got full control of the game. I just think back to the 2014-15 playoffs, and I'm sorry to bring this up, Sarah, because it's when <laughs> the Clippers knocked out the Spurs in the first round, the defending champions Oh, Spurs. the seven-game series? Yeah. yeah. And, Blake, in that, so between that and then, you know, going back to this point that the Clippers always seem to melt down, like the Clippers were up 3-1 against Houston in the second round, and then Josh Smith, of all people, hits a barrage of three-pointers and knocks them out in seven. And, you know, that, that was the choke before the Warriors choke. But yeah. it throughout that whole playoff run, Blake averaged 25.5 points, 12.7 rebounds, and 6.1 assists in almost 40 minutes a night. Like, he could assert his will on the game. And that series really made me think, like, holy crap, he's really finally putting it all together. So to the point That's true. to the point about Blake, like, you know, whether he can bounce back after this horrible year, I think last year will have given him some perspective, hopefully. And, you know, I think that he acknowledged in their letter, like, we have this reputation of, oh, they're the Clippers, they're going to fall apart, they're going to choke, and we're just saying, screw it, let's just go play ball, let's go have fun, like, let's block out all of this, uh, all of this criticism and all of this concern about what's going to happen to us after this year. So I actually kind of think Blake is going to have a very good bounce back year. I, I think he is ready to atone for his mistakes last year but you know i i there is that question of uh how much responsibility should chris paul have especially as he's getting up in age and then austin rivers they just handed him a huge new deal too so in theory he is there to earn that money although i'm not sure you ever want to <laughs> i don't think you're ever excited about saying let's decrease chris paul's responsibility and increase austin rivers <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think Alan Anderson is a really good good pickup for them. Mm, that's a good call. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, you said, you know, they, this is probably their best shot at mm -hmm. getting to the conference finals because, you know, OKC is definitely a tier lower than they were before. So it's like the Spurs are their biggest competition for that second spot. I mean, maybe the Portland Trailblazers – like Utah, if things break right, Houston even. But like I think the Clippers and the Spurs are a clear two and three in some order in the West. So I actually i am very excited to see what happens with the Clippers this year. Let's go to our division predictions, because I actually think outside of the top two, this one is very hard. Um, so, I mean, obviously, number one, Golden State Warriors. Number two is the Clippers. Morton, who do you have at three, four, and five? Well, I think the Lakers at three, um, and then Sacramento at four, and then Phoenix at five. Okay, yeah. 
And the reason that I have, I know you have the last two reversed. I know you have Phoenix at four and the Sacramento at five. Mm -hmm. But the reason I have Sacramento above is because they had, after all, they have Boogie and Boogie yeah. is still Boogie. Right. I mean, he, he is the best center in the league as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he's, I think his sheer willpower is, is enough to at least pull him up to not being the last of the division. That's right. I actually thought mine was pretty hot takey. Because I, I think Vegas-wise, Sacramento is third. Uh, I think Phoenix is above LA. Or the, Phoenix and LA are, are definitely below Sacramento. I just think this is a year where it just like officially goes to hell in Sacramento. And I mean, if you if, <laughs> if you think it was bad before, just wait. Like I, I think the the gay thing comes to a head this year, and then I think. At that point, Boogie just like, what the hell are we doing here, guys? Like, you have four other centers. What's the point? Just trade me. So, I'm making that pick, assuming that both Rudy Gay and Demarcus Cousins are not on the Kings by the end of this year. But you know, I again, I'm really high on the Lakers for reasons unbeknownst to the rest of the world, apparently. So I could be totally wrong here. Uh, Sarah, in terms of watchability, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the Warriors and Clippers are also going to lead the way. But how about 3, 4, and 5 yeah. for you? I would definitely put the Lakers 3. I, I do think they're an interesting watch this year. Uh, man, <laughs> the other two, it could really go either way. But I would probably just say Suns because of possible youth and potential and hope. <laughs> and, and, and there's just not a lot of hope in Sacramento. Yeah. That's... Of course, like you said, they still have Boogie in, in He's great to watch, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I actually have the Lakers too in terms of oh, watchability over the Clippers. Yeah, it's, yeah, look, I mean, I I like greatness and all that, yeah. but <laughs> I don't enjoy the Clippers brand of basketball as much. You've tired on yeah. Lab City, is what you're saying? Yeah, you know, I I I'm not. I'm I'm one of those really boring dudes. I I get more thrill out of seeing like a good screen followed by a good pounce pass than someone lopping the ball up in the air. I, I mean, do too, I, actually. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I I was so horrible. So it's yeah. to me the the Lakers and the the intrigue of uh, D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram. It's it's just too much for me to uh, put them at three. So uh, I have them as the more interesting squad going in. That's You're not the fair. only one, though, because a lot of people don't enjoy watching the Clippers for various reasons. Yeah. Not even just their style, but just feel like, you know, there's always the arguments about their whining or hey, the yeah. fact that they, they don't seem like they're having fun. So it's kind of weird. Well, that, that doesn't bother me because I think every team – Bitches. Yeah, yeah they definitely like, do. Every team, it's uncanny. So I don't even see the big difference there. It's just, uh, I, I know, I, I just feel like you have Chris who holds the ball a lot. Mm. He no, and don't get me wrong, he's absolutely terrific. But it's just, it's much the same. And then you have DeAndre. You know, the free throw shooting. That's probably a part of it because mm. the game slows down a lot. That's a good when point. You go into Haga DeAndre. Mm, yeah. And, and yeah, so. That that's that's really the crux of it, I think. I mean, I I actually think I enjoy the game more when when Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan is out of the game, and as we mentioned, like Blake is having his own way. Mm. I think that's a little bit more fun. Yeah. I don't see him controlling the game, but I do see him having fun out there. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, okay, so coach of the year, I don't think there's going to be any argument here <laughs> for Steve Kerr. Nope, no, no argument. 
Okay. I mean, Luke Walton could be a fun choice, and then even Jaeger if he connects with Boogie, but let's be honest, Steve Kerr is coaching a 73-win team that just got mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. There's no contest here. MVP of the division. Who do we have? Morton, start with you. Um, Stephen Durant. Stephen Durant. <laughs> they, Stephen Durant. They, they're conjoined now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's. I, I can't. You know, I know you have KD, yeah. but I just. I can't separate those two right now. I think it's so wildly unfair. Yeah. I can't. I just. I, I gotta merge them somehow. <laughs> that's fair. So. Which would be ridiculously frightening in its own right. But yeah. So, Stefan Durant. Okay. Sarah, how about. With a little bit of boogie. How, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Sarah, how about you? It, it probably is a warrior, but it yeah. is hard to separate them right now. Uh, you you kind of do take points because they have such a collection of talent. Right. Um, I'm just going to say Blake because I want it to be Blake. I hope he has a great year and I comes like back. I, I mean, I think the Players' Tribune article was really – he always is really, you know, does a great job when he writes those. Um, yeah. <laughs> when he writes those. Quote. Yes, right. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm so even though he had to bring up in that as well that they're the same core that beat the defending champions first. That was not yeah. my favorite, part, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Blake. I like that. Yeah, I I I mean I wrote a piece I think last year for B-Ball Breakdown right before he, he got hurt and broke his hand about how well he was playing and how he was kind of a dark horse MVP candidate and then he got hurt. Now I looked like an idiot, but there there will always be those first two months. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would more. I mean, obviously, I think your argument is fair that it's got to be a warrior, and Steph and KD are the clear two choices among those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of MVP, if there were voting per division, just how <laughs> trends go, it seems like newcomers tend to get a more of a bump. So I think just by virtue of if KD slides in seamlessly and averages 25 a game and the Warriors win 70 again, I think he would just get more credit for that than Steph, even if it meant, you know, even if Steph played better than KD, I think just the upgrade from Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant would give him the bump there. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's let's wrap things up here with our crushes from the division. Sarah, I'm going to start with you here. I already talked about him. It's Larry Nance Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a good uh, one. I, I just, yeah, I love his hustle and his energy. And he's just, like, he's not necessarily great at any one aspect, but he does all the little things. So he's my favorite in the whole division. That's a really good pick. Morton, how about you? Every, everyone who's not Austin Rivers. <laughs> Literally every player. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really how I want to quantify it. Oh, it's, it's, it's just, oh. Austin, is, you know, he had a couple nice games, yeah. right? But he's he's just not my sort of player. I don't watch. I don't enjoy watching him play. I think he's extremely overrated. But it, that is this is really difficult. Like a part of me wants to say Pat McCaw. Ooh, but he's a rookie, and we don't know how he's gonna look yet. Right. So that might be a little bit premature. You know, I'm actually gonna go Archie Goodwin. Damn, good pick. I like that because we didn't even we didn't even talk about him. Yeah, I kind of forgot. He's flying under the radar a little yeah. bit. Yeah, he's developed his J. He's still athletic. 
I, and, and also, I have this is my own personal theory of mine, and it's horrible because I have nothing to uh, back it up with. But I think he would be a lot better if he just like focused in on defense and became like defense first type of energy guy, mm. like some sort of taller Tony Allen. He's got quick feet, quick hands. If he gets coached the right way, and he just and he becomes a dog defensively, mm-hmm. I think he could carve out a wonderful niche in the league. Yeah. I think that's a really good a good person to bring up and yet another thing for Phoenix to deal with in that backcourt rotation. I Damn, guys, I had conventional picks at D'Angelo Russell and Devin Booker, both of whom we talked about earlier, but since you guys really went out of the box, I'm taking Ben McElmore. I really want to see... I don't know if he's good. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's let's start there. I don't know if he is a good basketball player, but I want to find out this year, and I'm excited to see him rise to the challenge. Of you know, I don't think Malachi Richardson is gonna get much playing time this year. He was pretty raw, really only came on until the end of the year. So I think Aaron Aflalo is his main competition. I have a feeling Aflalo starts just by veteranness and blah blah blah. But I want to see what Macklemore is and if he is a potential i don't want to say star at the two but you know a decent up-and-coming two or if he's basically just the next coming of the on waiters so those are my that's my my spiel on macklemore so this is going to wrap things up for the pacific division preview for the nba podcast sarah i'm sorry but we got to do it next time we got to talk about the spurs uh, so join us then as Sarah finally gets to mourn Tim Duncan's <laughs> retirement, but he's already back in the Spurs organization, so she can't be yeah, too upset. Kind of helps. And Paul Gasol is there, so you know, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, good. We're we're gonna have a lot of trolling on next <laughs> next episode for Morton. Until then, no. oh, I I oh hold on. I had a was it a nightmare or did I really read it? Somebody said that. Pow's gonna make people forget about Tim. Who? Where did I see that? Uh, you know oh, what? No. I actually read something along those lines on Twitter a couple of days ago as well. I saw it. I don't. Re- I don't remember where, but I I saw something. Similar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're gonna discuss that article in full next <laughs> time because that is horrible. Until then, I'm Brian Tapork. I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalaya. Always good talking to you guys. You too, Brian. Likewise, Brian. Take care, guys. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & and more. This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. 
What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.